Yo, it's Steve. It's episode 266 of G.I. Joburg. And today we're talking off-duty activities. What do the G.I. Joes and Cobra agents get up to in their spare time? But I'm not alone. As always, I got my buddy Paul Deadly Pencils in the mix. Hello, Paul. I am here. <laughs> wow. Paul Despite Escom's greatest efforts to make sure that I'm not here, I am here. So Yes. Woo. Sadly, I have to apologize. Rob's going to be a little bit late to this broadcast. But you got the two of us. And a special third member, a guest, a member of the Berg Force... His name is Ryan Sweeney. Now, if that name rings a couple of bells, well, you're not going insane. He has been an absolutely prolific member on the Bergforce comment threads, so on podcasts such as this, elsewhere, on other people's socials. I would call this guy the patron saint of G.I. Joe content creators. Oh, he is yeah. a su supporter in voice and in deed and in material. I mean, he has helped us get ourselves to JoeCon in 2018. He's been a firm supporter of G.I. Joeberg and everyone out there. And he has got a podcast of his own. The link will be in the description below, but it's called The Island of Misfit Toy Collectors. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Sweeney. Hello, Ryan. Hey guys, I don't know if I can live up to this now after that introduction, man. That was awesome, thank you, dude. I I swear, like every time I see someone going live or a comments thread, where whether it's Full Force or us or over on the Facebook groups, there's always support from you. There's always Mr. Sweeney bumping the signal. Um, so yeah, dude, it, it, it's been long time coming to have you on the show and I'm thrilled that you, uh, had the time, made the time to come on an episode of GI Joburg. Absolutely. Love you guys. I've been a big fan of yours for a number of years. You know, I, I blame you guys for getting me into all of this, which is a good thing. Um, Ooh, this is just to elaborate. Really <laughs> The only other person I think can think of who's in more chats than me is Gaz. So big shout out to Gaz and, and Matthew Comstock as well, too. Yep. Members of the Berg Force as well. And they are in Ooh. attendance. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> so, Ryan, you recently celebrated a birthday. And um, since you are a member of our uh, Patreon, Berg Force, um, this is a great idea, actually, started by Andrew Creech, MCDJ, ACDC another name that you'll see pop up on all the boards. Uh, he suggested that perhaps if the members so wished it, they would come on to the episode uh, that was in the week of their birthday. I mean, obviously there's no obligation, but it did give us a great excuse to get you on the show. So uh, I'm glad we could make this happen. Now, as anyone who is a longtime fan of G.I. Joe book knows, we need to get your G.I. Joe or Cobra identikit. So... By way of introduction, I want to hear your favorite G.I. Joe action figure, your favorite Cobra action figure, your favorite G.I. Joe vehicle, and your favorite Cobra vehicle. They could be current. They could be from your childhood. Go crazy, Ryan. Hit us with the good that, stuff. The easy. The favorite G.I. Joe is Stalker. Um, mm. Favorite Cobra is Zartan, of course. Uh, favorite Joe vehicle is the Sky Striker, which is one of the first G.I. Joe vehicles I... I <sighs> ever got loved it 
Cobra yes, vehicle, it's the Thunder Machine. It was just <laughs> outstanding definitely five star vehicles uh both now in terms of the figures or we, we we're talking characters right but is there a certain version that stands head and shoulders about the rest when it comes to stalker and zartan zartan it's version one uh that color change mm-hmm. feature coming with this the uh the swamp skier just in 1986 to see that action figure with that color change feature with the little vehicle that could come apart, it it blew my mind. And of course, when you read his file card, I, I just remember reading it over and over and over and over again. And I just gravitated to that particular character. And with Stalker, he's from Detroit. He was the Michigan boy, which I live in Michigan, um, with his backstory as well too. And then in the comics in the beginning he really was the platoon leader and he reported up to hawk where everything changed in the sumbo cartoon so you know stalker had that strong leadership and then of course you know he worked with storm shadow and and uh, snake eyes in vietnam so that always endeared me as well too but version one stalker for me even though uh the stalker the arctic stalker is probably one of the chef's kisses action figures ever come out yeah man you can't beat a classic but as far as a deluxe figure goes yeah tundra stalker beautiful i mean you definitely get a long ba- lot of bang for your buck with both tundra stalker and uh zartan being like a deluxe figure too with all the stuff he had going on for him but yeah look i'm a v1 stalker guy myself and ironically like Zartan and Stalker would be my top two picks for Joe and Cobra. So we're birds of a feather, Ryan. Uh, good taste. Good taste. Outstanding <laughs> taste. I, I just love that you oh. take the Thunder Machine, man. Oof. So. He, well, he digged it enough to send it our way, pal. Uh, Ryan's Dreadnought Thunder Machine resides in my grubby little paws. And actually, of the, the sampling of toys I was able to truck, truck with me, cross country um it's 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 with me at the moment i intend <laughs> ryan to shoot the dreadnought thunder machine on the singapore grand prix track because that's i mean as long as they're not uh, racing formula one down there uh the public can access it so when we go to visit kim's folks i'm gonna take that puppy down there and maybe do a few laps <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's a cool track, actually, the Singapore Grand Prix track. Or race track. I don't know. I'm not a Formula One kind of guy. <laughs> We're going to get into GI Joes and their hobbies on this episode, actually. So maybe uh, motor racing, motorsports will come up. You know, the only thing I'm going to say, Steve, is once you do that and you post that video, if anybody is thinking of getting a Thunder Machine, buy it now. Because what happens <laughs> is on eBay or Macari, Whenever those Jailbreak episodes come out, those prices are going to double. Just warning you. <laughs> well, in the case of the Thunder Machine, maybe it'll be a mild swelling because it's already a sought-after vehicle. But, like, I've always wanted to make it our thing to, like, champion the little guy or champion the toys that, like, no one seems to really want too badly. Um, I, I don't know if the uh, Renegades have have increased significantly in value since we we featured them. But, hey. As I say, it's always nice to champion the, the less loved toys. 
you, when you guys did that Silver Mirage video, that was just so oh. crazy wow. and ahead of its time and how you you filmed it like you know just going through the streets at night it was like this is freaking amazing like why did anybody ever think about doing something like that it's they're toy commercials that's super fan to pull one out of the vault i mean the the silver mirage that that's an oldie man that's an oldie but i suppose i guess if you're citing it it must be a goodie but yeah, dude, I was I was cycling around the mean streets of Cape Town shooting my toy motorcycle. <laughs> it's good fun. I got uh, shouted at by a couple of vagrants, as I recall. It was brilliant. Just absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Thanks, pal. Thank you. So we have a, a secondary topic before we get into talking about G.I. Joe's and their pastimes. And it's something that, that I want to bring to the table. But um, Rob actually suggested the idea of G.I. Joe's and their hobbies and what they get off, uh, up to on their off-duty hours. So uh, I'm going to wedge this one in there since he's not here at the moment. I wanted to know from each of you guys, what was your most bizarre or weird or out of left field like collector impulse? Firstly, the first part is one that you stopped short of acting on. Like maybe you, you had a, a taste for something and you were like, mm, I'd really like to add some of that to my collection. And then eventually you got cold feet. And then the second part is when did you actually jump in? Like, was there a strange collecting slant that actually grabbed your attention and then actually grabbed your dollar? Like, so <sighs> Brian, do you want to kick this one off, Paul? Sure. So the one that I chickened out on mm -hmm. uh, was Wheeled Warriors, Jason the Wheeled Warriors, the mm -hmm. toy where you could, you know, take apart the vehicles, put them all back together. The, the bad guys were like plant-based monsters. And and I started to research some of those because I remember having those a, as a kid. And the more I started going through it, I'm like, this is going to be just stupid, crazy expensive to find these things. Just don't do it stick with your Joes. And, you know, I, I, I chickened out on it just more so because trying to find all the pieces and being a completionist, I knew it was a rabbit hole that I didn't want to go down. Um, my other thing of actually what I do collect is YouTube channel decals or stickers. When somebody has like a Teespring or anything like that, I buy their decals and I actually have them on my office wall. So I am a seven-year-old or eight-year-old kid again with all these decals all over my office wall right now. I would love to see a picture of that. It's kind of cool, man. I totally, I can relate to that. Not that I actually end up buying the stickers, but I always want stuff like that because I love having like stickers. <laughs> I can feel you on that one. Totally, dude. So I'm going to have to turn my camera on. Oh, we're going to get a live presentation. So my newest one, if you can see it at the top, is Slaughter's Daughter. Um, Sweet. Hey, Kelly. But like, uh, you know, the, fat the polar battle bear. I like the fact that you've got a little bit of air between each of the stickers because, you know, you get to see the whole thing. Like what we typically see with like a skate deck or someone's um, pencil case is like all the stickers are kind of collapsed onto each other, like a big collage. But this is cool, man. This is kind of graphic. It it, uh, it really does um, do happy things to my brain. <laughs> oh, so, sick. 
a dreadnought sticker, polar battle bear. Man, that's cool. Snowcat. Very nice. Yeah. And I do have your guys, I have coffee mugs too. So I do have Jobert coffee mugs. So the apparel excellent that i do know uh, and ryan that is so cool <laughs> so awesome like for me i stopped short of getting uh, the resident evil toy biz action figures i was on a bit of an old school kick because I was playing Resident Evil and then Resident Evil 2. Thanks to you, Paul, you got me that PlayStation Mini. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, they're rudimentary figures. Like, they're, they're really colorful and interesting and old school. And they came in two packs, each with, like, a zombie or a uh, zombie dog. Or, you know, like, they, there was just something very toyetic about this collection. Um, they each had, like, a gimmick, like a point-and-shoot like draw their weapon and shoot. Like you know, they tried to emulate basically what the character sprites did in the game, um, which is always going to be fun. But you know, like Toy Biz toys of that era were pretty chintzy. Um, they weren't hyper articulated. They were pre-posed to some degree, a little bit of articulation. But they only really looked good in one or two poses. But they were the first Resident Evil toy collection. So I didn't want to get my, my hands dirty and like research what the best Resident Evil toys were. Um, I wanted the stuff of the era because it had that air of like original to the to it. Um, I still feel also that the these fact are that the these best. things. Sorry, man. But they are, yeah. They yeah. They're, they're fun, man. And let's not lose sight of the fact that they have the angelic glow of being featured in Toy Fair of the of the day. Like that magazine just added such a an incredible like urge to buy anytime they had a pictorial or anytime they worked toys or toy photography into their pages, which I mean, it was toy fair. Of course they did it often. Um, the toys featured would always kind of take on this special veneer. Like it was the must have stuff. You look back at some of that stuff and you think, well, I'm glad I didn't uh, bite the bullet. But uh, yeah, look, as I say, I stopped short of actually going down this rabbit hole, but who's to say I won't in the future? The idea of a maggot-riddled uh, zombie dog that explodes into basically its own guts. <laughs> That's a cool feature, man. Yep, yep, yep. Is it no, on I eBay? Gotta... Oh, no, I'm just checking this. some comments. Sorry, I'm, I'm losing my mind. Uh, okay. Paul, do you want to throw one to the cauldron or should I just Ooh. roll on into the... The collective okay, bug gonna, that I've yeah, do it. Well, I'm gonna go into a near miss um, that I've had. Yeah. So actually, uh, yeah, and it's kind of like actually two near misses in one. So the one thing that I do want, uh, and I still want one, is a Power Ranger helmet. Okay, I want my very own Power Ranger helmet. I want either the the Tiger, the White Ranger, or the T Rex, the Red Ranger from the original uh, Saban Power Rangers that came out, and. Um, I then was getting like into getting myself one of those helmets and then I started going, hey, you know what would be cool? Maybe I should get myself a set of like Power Rangers, right? Like that would be nice. Just have the original five and then, you know, the Green Ranger and the Dragon Zord and then maybe get the White Ranger, you know, the whole thing. And around that time, Super 7, 
uh, they're doing their new premium Power Ranger line. And I think they, they're scheduled to come out around um, the time of us recording this show. And I started like pre-ordering them on BBTS and I started like, okay, budgeting and how am I going to do this? And then I just thought, no, no, I'm not going to do this because what had happened is I got into the Ninja Turtles by Super 7, um, which I'm finished collecting now, thank God. Um, because they're, they, they're quite pricey and they take up a lot of space. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? How am I going to afford my Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers and still get the G.I. Joe stuff? And I got to say, this is one t instance where G.I. Joe saved me from buying something else. Because uh, I think G.I. Joe, just about a month or so after the Power Rangers announcements, we started getting all the G.I. Joe Super 7 announcements. And I was like, ooh, ooh better get ready for this. I might have to get some of these, you know whatever is, you know, let, let's see if they look cool. Now I'm comfortably sitting in a situation of, well, I'm only buying vintage GI Joe, uh, cherry picking the classifieds like a beast and trying my very best to avoid super seven GI Joes and everything else that's got GI Joe on it. That's coming out from all of these companies cause they're making cool stuff. So that was at least one near miss. Um, and then the second near miss was kind of the super seven GI Joes as well in there. But, uh, yeah, that's me, dude. You said you got some kind of weird collector kick that's sort of happened now. So what's that about? Well, I think you know where I'm going, Paul, because <laughs> it's none other than, well, this was Deliru, actually prompted. Do, do, do. Ah, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> the, also oh. about the same era, the X-Men uh, toy biz collection and particularly the early 90s stuff because by the mid 90s they were catching on the sort of mcfarlane trend of heavily pre-posed figures which have a little bit of articulation but they only really look good in one orientation um whereas the early hey, toy biz stuff they had a more neutral posture uh, so they look like you know, they're just more fun. You know, they, they actually, the articulation is actually useful in a sense. And I've actually turned the corner Space on Wolverine. action features. <laughs> Space Wolverine. Well, look, they did they did plenty of Wolverines. He was the Barbie of the line. He, he had he had every outfit. Um, but I, I've turned the corner on action features because sitting on my desk, like these things have more to them than just looking cool. You know, each one of them has some really really like kitsch way to i suppose exhibit their powers <laughs> whether it's like flinging sparks out of their chest or having a whistle Mark, uh, sticking Magnino, out of their back. banshee um, i've got that like, banshee it's fun <laughs> dude you do how embarrassing i do i but was, no, I, I was oh, just curious said, and it's a shit whistle i'm just gonna put that out there carry on <laughs> it's well, like i went to this <laughs> That's an actual representation. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. I'm curious, but not curious, curious enough to, to hit by. Look, I went to this toy fair two weeks ago and found these guys bagged, complete, and in played with condition for like 10 bucks a pop. And I didn't pull the trigger and I kick myself for not. I have non-buyer's remorse, if that is a thing. Um, so I've ever since been been hunting them and uh i managed to get the the wolverine in this week the one the the sort of the tiger stripe yellow costume this is i suppose his second appearance in the toy line but uh this is like the more classic 
I suppose it it it, it pays homage to the the cartoon series, which was coming out at the same time. Um, it has the weird like pop in pop out claws that actually just default to being out. There's no mechanism to keep them in. And Paul, you had this figure, didn't you? Sorry, man. Yes, I do have that figure. I I, I believe I still actually have him. I I want well, to believe I still have him. Yeah. Can Can anyone explain my... to me why? <laughs> He has this ratcheting clicky clack. Like, why does his waist have a ratchet? Um, he's supposed to flick. He doesn't. He's not supposed to is ratchet. It broken? He's, it's broken. What yours is broken. Ah. You turn him. Um, you turn his waist to the side and you let it go, and then he he does a slash action. It it uh, complements the uh, saber tooth. Because then, yeah. So you say, yeah, okay, because Sabretooth has the battle damage torso that, that heals. Flips open. Yeah, like a He-Man. Flips open, go. flips closed. he okay. Bloody hell, man. So mine's a dud. Wait. Yeah, yours is just somebody exorcisted it. What is that, Ryan? Sorry, man. I was going to say, it's, it's not a dud. I, I think if you look at those figures and if i'm an eight-year-old kid again those are just ba figures i would love to have those and i get why you wanted to buy them because you know even as an adult collector i think we we get too snobby and just go that's just a cool figure if i was 10 years old again i would totally buy that but yeah i think it's it's cool i we did streamathon and i think it was um go figures they did turtles the, the playmate turtles and by the time they came out i was older and i just like oh those are turtles but seeing the design and the molding and the sculpting that a lot of these older 90s toy lines have it really makes me appreciate how awesome they were and this is another one that does yeah it's quintessentially the animation model like if you're watching the cartoon this is the Wolverine version that you wanted. And I, I recall passing him up because I thought the claw feature was stupid. Like even as a, I suppose, a discerning 10-year-old, I was like, mm, don't like that. That's, that's dumb. I want the claws to look better. But now in retrospect, I see these toys as like the epitome of fun. What characterizes a fun toy meant to be played with. This isn't a display piece. These things were like... Even back in the day, they weren't works of art. They weren't mini statues. They were so evidently colorful, exciting toys that had fun action features. So, yeah, there was no pretense of them being anything more than that. And I find that I'm more drawn to that now than ever. Yeah. I've hey, been Twitter. bit by the bug, guys. Sabretooth is on the way. I'll probably not stop. I mean, Iceman's next, I guess. Oh, they're cool toys, man. I'm so glad that you're getting into that stuff. Listen, that's one of those toy collections from my childhood that I, it's so wrapped with memories that I would, I mean, even if, I mean, I love you, Steve, but I wouldn't give those to you. You know what I mean? Because they're so wrapped with like <laughs> stuff. But I mean, I as you're talking, I was like, never ask. I was like sitting here going, oh yeah, maybe I should donate some of them to Steve. And I'm like, yeah, but they're super sentimental. Even my stupid apocalypse with his broken leg. <laughs> Because the apocalypse has got the stupidest like features. Like he he gets bigger, but it looks like he's got little stilts that separate his hands and feet. Man, 
that was such a fun line, and that was such a fun time to be a kid as well with the Toy Biz X Men. Like they just did such amazing stuff. Um, Look, this also, is the kind of toy line that winds up in like a giant plastic tub in the ceiling yeah. for me. I had no idea people treasured their Toy Biz X Men collections, but then buddy of the show Bart Simon drops a picture on my lap of his like Toy Biz collection proudly displayed on its own shelf and i'm like man that is tasty that is really colorful and just just a very eye-popping very 90s very of its time kind of display and i'm like yeah i want a piece of that i'm gonna haul mine out of storage and display them and i totally will when i get to cape town man i had lots of that stuff but obviously i had some big gaps too toys amazing toys that they created any of the toy biz stuff that i saw growing up was always at like kb toys which was the mall toy store and you know just some of the stuff they had it was like oh i've got to have this i've got to have that i've got to have you know so i completely get how you get sucked into having that so yeah also i also remember like um sorry not to dwell on x-men too much but I also remember when I was um, into, you know, I was just like as a teenager and like now I'm collecting toys, like I'm buying toys with the purpose of I'm having them, you know, they're not just cool, fun, uh, cool and fun to have, they're cool and fun to have and maybe one day we'll have a value because I was a stupid teenager and I was involved with collecting comics and stuff. So glad I got out of that racket. Anyway, um, I remember the some of the more premium Toy Biz uh, items. And when I say premium, I mean uh, Toy Biz stuff that you never saw in South Africa, like Onslaught. Um, those figures were available exclusively at like some of the comic shops who, who went out of their way to import it through the previews magazine. And I'm surprised that they actually managed to get them um, because the toy companies in South Africa, the toy distribution companies, they can be like quite iron-fisted, which is one of the reasons why for example, at um, the comic shop that Rob works at, they can't bring in any G.I. Joe classified figures. So, you know, they, so you will find like some random interesting figures from the Toy Biz line when they started adding like extra articulation like Psylocke and uh, as mentioned Onslaught. And then also they did a very cool Age of Apocalypse line. Well, I thought they were very cool at the time and, and I really wanted them. Um, but yeah, man, like... We're looking at like 300 rand a figure back then, you know, that was the same price as a, as a Sega game. Uh, so, uh, you know, video gaming uh, ultimately won out for me at that point because it was harder to convince my mom to spend 350 rand on a toy than it was to spend that money on a video game. So that's just something, a small tidbit there, you know, for that. Because we didn't have everything and it's, it's the same thing that happened with G.I. Joe. So, y'all. But we were better for it. We were Don't better be spoiled for it. by choice. Yeah, you're all in on the, 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 the crumbs that you find falling off the table, Paul. <laughs> another, another thing that has come out recently, um, something that I sort of started dallying in, and I think uh, you guys here on the, uh, in the Berg Force and on the show uh, sort of picked up on it as well, was I was starting to get like a serious hunger for Transformers toys. Uh that that line that studio series line i think it's the 86 line wow mm. um and then just before then they did these great throwbacks to um g1 transformers 
and they were like the they were like the cheap man's masterpieces uh, in some respects and that got me so hooked and nothing has slammed the door shut on that harder than Soundwave. So thank you, Soundwave. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, so, because that was close. Uh, that was like one of those other sort of odd collect uh, collection things. And then um, also, uh, I don't want to say this is like an odd thing, um, is the shiny men, the Saint Seiya figures. I had a goal with the Saint Seiya figures. I have almost met that goal. I don't think I'll ever complete my gold saints just because of how expensive they are. But that was a, a serious dalliance. Like I went quite hard into that, that line. I made sure I got all of the bronze saints, which is like five characters. And then I managed to get 11, no, 10 of the gold saints, which was no small feat um, to put things in perspective. When those toys were coming out, they were the same price as is um such a collectible gi joe's so yeah thankfully <laughs> thankfully being retrenched stopped that one um but uh yeah i'm still missing leo and uh taurus but you know celavi i've got a really great shiny man collection now and i never have to buy any shiny man ever again because that one is quite definitive yo see sideshow is one of those toy lines i'm so glad i never got into because that's just an absolute money pit that you'd never recover from. Those one-sixth scale figures are just crazy. Dude, totally. And the house, the space that you need to accommodate figures of that size, it's it's insane. I mean, I've got 13 of them. And oh, gosh. they live at my parents' place because there is nowhere in our house that I can put them. I have, I have two, three that live in the house here with me. I brought a Crimson Guard. A Cobra Viper and the Baroness. They they live here in the house with me. But I absolutely cannot bring in any more. Uh, if I do, I have to like switch them out. I'd have to go to my folks' place, switch them out, bring over like snake eyes, you know. Uh, but then have to trade the Viper in, you know, <laughs> you know, because I can't. I can't keep them here. And they're also like fragile as all hell. So you don't really want to put them out in places where where they're exposed, you know. And both my girlfriend and I smoke. And the thing is, you know, smoke does affect those figures it does make like if if i had storm shadow up with these camo hoodie and everything that camo hoodie and everything is going to start going from white to brown because we smoke yes i know smoking's a terrible habit but you know you don't want to keep all of your toys in boxes you don't want to make your house look like a museum you know what i mean so right. yeah but now i feel you man i know guys who collect the statues i don't know how they do it i don't know if they like hitmen for the mafia or something but i've been to people's houses where they've got like like 10 of those sideshow uh, exclusive statues, you know, those big ones that come almost up to your like waist height. They're like about what? Um, uh, 12, you're looking at about 20 inch statues in some cases. Yes. I'm just like, wow, people collect that stuff. It's insane. It's insane. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, of course, it's whatever, you know, you can afford and whatever you, you like, but, you know, just sometimes it's like, wow, just the cost associated with some of that stuff. And like you're saying, I don't want any of my stuff to live in boxes. That's my thing. I don't, a lot of my modern Joes, you know, I would have. 30, you know, Cobra Vipers, 30 Cobra Troopers, and 
they sat in baggies and boxes and I'm like, I need to get these out. This is ridiculous. But I'm like, I don't have the room for it. So what do I do? And, you know, that's when I just start selling off all my collection. <sighs> yeah, man. <laughs> I don't but, know if I could ever be that uh, decisive, Ryan. I admire you for it, man. But that's you know, Steve. If, if it's vintage stuff, and like when I sent you my Thunder Machine, I knew it was going to a place where it would be appreciated. That's an easy choice. But if it's modern stuff, it's easy for me to go. I can, you know, I can sell it. But it, the vintage stuff, I think, if I was the vintage Joe collector, I don't think I could do that because it's tied to too many memories as a kid i battle to sell even stuff that i'm less enthusiastic about for the simple reason that collecting is circular stuff that you have grown cold on you'll come back to in like 10 years 15 years 20 years time and you'll be like oh i want to dust that off now i want to mess with that for a bit it's just there's so many memories seeped into this stuff i find it 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 constantly just adds to the, um, the 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 tapestry of like our our toy time, <laughs> the tapestry of our toy time, the name of my autobiography. <laughs> Gents, shall we move the agenda onto our actual topic? I don't know if Rob's going to be able to make it. Uh, he's um, he's gone dark on all comms, which can only mean that he's in the dark, I guess. Uh, without yeah. any Wi-Fi and probably without any battery on his phone. So we're going to plunge ahead and talk about G.I. Joes and Cobras on their off hours. Two forces and a wageless war. Every day they wage some more. When the day is done and they go home, what do they do for fun? Thank you, Funny or Die. I think we can all remember the Ballad of G.I. Joe. <laughs> that is the most outstanding, like, musical, comedy, spoof, parody. Well, yeah, it's right up there with anything by Word Burglar, but it's just iconic. Rocking out the clarinet. Amazing, Dester and the Baroness. And the cast. Vinnie so Jones. spot Are you on. Kidding amazing. Me? Anyways, amazing. we're not here to talk about that, though I'm going to weave it in at every available opportunity, you can believe me. I have a list, guys, before we get stuck into our picks. I have a list of guys who their file cards have actually given away some of the game. And the, they each have uh, a particular pastime. Um, I was wondering if you guys would play a little game with me and tell me what these guys like doing for fun uh, when I list them. So... Does anyone have any idea or want to venture a guess as to what Barbecue does in his spare time? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's an impromptu pizza chef. <laughs> Ryan, take a swipe. I'm going to say he is a championship barbecue pit master. And, uh, I'm liking that. And possibly... Um, uh, I don't know. I think that would probably be barbecue's biggest thing is he's, you know, a pit master. So the name isn't ironic. It's actually like, yeah, he's called barbecue because he likes flipping burgers and well, pulled meats, smokehouse. I don't know. Like what, what's his specialty? I'm sure. Yeah. A, a big old barbecue master. 
Yeah, it's not just because he likes putting out fires. He likes setting them too. Look, I, I think you're on the right track, Ryan, because his file card speaks to the fact that he is a total party animal. I think of all the G.I. Joe roster, he's the one most likely to host the shindig. And <laughs> one needs no further example than the Viper, the classic cartoon episode, <laughs> where it opens and they're partying at his place. Like, the guys are wrecking his place, and he's just laughing it off, like, <laughs> Alpine's shimmying down the bloody balcony, you know, from the mezzanine onto the floor, breaking the banister, so what? He kind of shrugs it off. But yeah, the, the file card goes into crazy shit. Like, he can <coughs> wrap his mouth around the bottom of a quart, like, Coke glass. I'm just thinking, like, what? What kind of party trick is that? Anyways, so that's that's barbecue shtick. Okay, Roadblock, this is an easy one. Come on, guys. He, he's into cooking. In fact, in the Devil's Due comic book, he had his own, like, like celebrity chef cooking show. I think that's taking it a little, a little bit too far. Yeah. But hey, it was the early 2000s. We'll give him a pass. Can anyone tell me what Grand Slam gets into in his spare time? I'm a word. Hmm. Probably wrote a poetry book or something. I'm just, very I'm just good. throwing po shit at the wall. Wow, no, really? he likes like he likes hard science fiction literature, like like Asimov, uh, oh, stuff okay, like that. Yeah. I, I presume you know he's he, yeah he's he's very much into the sci-fi stuff. So, well, ironically, his name isn't sci-fi, but <laughs> yeah, Grand Slam likes to read science fiction. Um, Budo, do you guys know what Budo does for for fun? Isn't he a, um, a Harley enthusiast or a motorbike enthusiast or something like that? All right, Paul, give the guests something to do. But yes, you're absolutely right. Oh, sorry, right. Ryan. No, no, I'm no. Just hey. like, I got that, Ryan. I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the file card's great. It's very kind of self-deprecating because it says that he'd be an even better martial artist if he didn't spend so much damn time with his panhandled Harley Davidson. That's for damn sure. It's a fart yeah. can with two wheels. Bart looks in this direction with cold stare. I look back well, at Bart. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's an important thing to consider because these guys are like like the best of the best of the best, sir. But with honors. Like they're also they're also human beings, thank you very much. Um, so they need something more to their lives. But at the same time, like that will then steal time away from them honing their their more useful skills. But I'm sure Paul's going to be philosophical about it and say, like, in art as well as in life, like, you can't have a single-minded pursuit. You need to kind of distract yourself and then Hell come yes. back. I, yeah? That's, Refocus that's your totally center. That's totally the Paul way. That's totally ah, the Paul good. way. Master yeah. Tai Chi. All right. Ryan, what's airtight into in his spare time and even on duty? I'm going to probably say for him it would be puzzles or games just Great. to help keep his mind stimulated yeah absolutely he's a bit of an egghead so yeah i suppose something kind of cerebral look the far card just goes into him being a, a, a supreme practical joker like all the classics mm -hmm. like whoopee cushions and shit like that so yeah i i guess i guess pure Al steve is just pl playing to the obvious and saying he's probably <laughs> Just pranking people. Like, I imagine <laughs> prank phone calls and stuff. <laughs> Hans says, violin. Airtight is violin. Yeah. 
actually that's a great point like who of the joes is a musician i mean rock and roll obviously shockwave is a cellist isn't he mm, no shockwave is a, a choir boy yeah um, he is the instrument uh, sorry keel hall plays the clarinet yes right. and heavy duty plays the cello or the there bass guitar hmm? so the cello yeah. i don't know yeah I, I think airtight because of his intellect uh and the whole practical jokes joker thing i think he spends a lot of time working out practical jokes you know masterminding <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I th I think I think maybe uh, sorry because now I'm delving into airtight here. I'm thinking that the reason he plays practical jokes on people is because maybe he has trouble connecting to people as a human being, like the way that you know sort of uh, people with healthier uh, social skills you know can communicate like we can communicate as people. I think airtight struggles to do that, and I think the he dude lives in a hazmat suit, man. He's been practicing social distancing long before that was a thing. Like, exactly. So you know, he's living some, in total, in a, total in, pandemic conditions. In a human, yeah, yeah, he's got a, he's a, he's wearing a human condom all the time. So he must have some very unique social issues, uh, but also really wants to connect to people. So playing jokes is probably his way of like letting people know that you know he's not scary. He's not a he's not a scary thing. He's actually a fun guy. Like, well, know, maybe not fun. Deeply antisocial, and this is his only way to kind of reach out. Oh, yeah. Wow. Talking about isolated Joes, but here's a guy who who will be a definite asset when you get to a a fun fair dogfight because of his excellent hand-eye coordination is an absolute wizard at uh, like carnival games. So I suppose like throwing horseshoes or using the carnival um, like pea shooter rifles to knock down targets. He's the kind Which of guy who me? wins the big bear. Which brings me to the the dreadnoughts as a whole. I think the dreadnoughts oh. on the side run a a dodgy carnival with rigged <laughs> carnival games. <laughs> There's certainly a lot of precedent for that. Yeah, yeah. and are there lasers uh, that protrude out of the um the the bumper cars? Oh, probably. No, de very <laughs> very definitely. But uh, even mm. more dangerous than that, it's bumper cars that don't work very well. You know, you have to turn steering wheel like. Well, right, like fifty times for it to turn left. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, There's exposed wires that the electrocute the kids when they touch them, and all that good stuff. Sounds like a Bollywood film set. I shit you not. You guys. sure Reconda they... applies the didgeridoo? I think that's racial profiling, right there. Just like yes, for those of you who are missing out on the YouTube chat, uh, Hans Chow believes that Reconda is an accomplished didgeridoo player. <laughs> got enough of that shit here in Wagga Wagga land um, <laughs> guys who is the resident computer game wizard on the G.I. Joe team ah goody I was glad you were going to ask that because I actually mm. created a list and I just created I actually created a whole bunch of just random like side things that these guys do and I've got this feeling that Skidmark <laughs> yes, everybody's favorite G.I. Joe. Skidmark uh, every is actually, I think he's a champion of online esports. I think he does a lot of online esports racing. In because that's like a serious thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just saying now because he's retired, man. That's what he does. Like, you know, 
Like that that's kind of how I, I looked at it. And then before then I think he used to hit the arcade a lot. I think he used to love well, um puning guys in the arcade. Credit to Gaz in the chats who has nailed it with Slipstream. Yes. Slipstream's file card bangs on about how he was a, a video game whiz and a computer hacker who also was an Air Force jock. Amazing. Amazing. He really uh, made something of himself. Yeah. I'm so glad he didn't get into the BF2K because then he would have been no longer. He would have just been. <laughs> he would have ended up being a skin mob. <laughs> yeah, isn't it funny that the whole like vector i mean what's his name maverick in the vector jet like he should have been at altitude but he still got hit by that that massive oil field explosion so even the, the high flyers weren't saved from the bf2k cull but uh, next up on the list guys what do you reckon uh copperhead and ace have in common i know this one so i'm gonna give ryan a chance card play yeah very good. Though, I'd say with Ace, it's definitely the card. But uh, with with Copperhead, it's absolutely anything he can take a wager on. Which is why racing. I'm going to make him my first pick, yeah, for drag racing. He's a motorhead. I mean, if you read the file card, he's into anything with an engine. Um, and motorhead. and also, his vice is gambling. It's, it's gambling debts that got him into Cobra in the first place. So I'm thinking he he likes illegal street races. He likes to Deaths. race for them pink slips. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or anything high stakes, money, cash grabs. You know, like before the five will arrive, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's what I see. Copperhead getting up to after hours. He's like the guy who would be like, "I bet you twenty dollars that fly is gonna, you know, fly over and yes. land on that." Yes. Yep. Absolutely. We all know a guy like that. I mean, my guy gambled our month's rent without us knowing to come up with his end of the rent. And he was down pretty bad and he was going to have to tuck his tail between his legs and like confess to us, but managed to make good in the end. Like, I think he, yeah, he finally hit a streak right at the end. Yeah, he, he was at the poker tables, but gone in $60. Yeah. You know that guy. Uh, I know that guy. You've met that, that guy. guy. Mm. We have. I mean, even the way he got us to a ball game was pretty interesting as well. Oh, yeah. Day. I bought a ticket. Yeah. Well, it, to be fair, it was on the day of the game, and it was the Yankees versus the Sox. Like, come on. Those tickets, are, you know, they were mythical to begin with. But, yeah, you had to kind of get them in the scalper on the, on the corner, on the sly. And we sat in the nosebleeds anyway, so... It's all good. <laughs> well, he got a nice seat. But anyways, whatever. We're, we're, we're digressing. Can anyone tell me um, what sport Cutter is a coach of? Uh, women's volleyball. I'm just throwing that out there for, <laughs> for nothing other than it's a fun reference. Yeah, I hear women's volleyball. Baseball. I'm looking it up now. Um... Women's swimming team. Oh my word! I was gonna actually say that. Nice. So somewhere in the in the deep recesses of my mind, I knew that. Damn. At Annapolis now is Annapolis? That's the that's where the Navy uh, base is, right? Correct in Maryland. Oh, very good. But he's a Coast Guard. Do they also have a Coast Guard detachment there? I don't like, I mean, know. Firing these questions off at our guest, like putting it on the spot. 
No, I know that there's separate Coast Guard training facilities. I didn't know that Annapolis would send Coast Guard members there. Maybe Cutter's just cross training, or he's he's literally just there to like coach women's swim team. Nice. What um, us, us, oh yeah, Deep Six has an interesting pastime. I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Um, deep Six? <laughs> no, man. Want to take a stab at it, Ryan? It's bottle caps. He collects bottle caps. If I'm yeah, remembering I, right, I think I think so. On his on his original file card, he does. Um, but then in 1989. He had moved on to something else, and that's the one that I'm thinking of. But you're absolutely right, Ryan. Bottle caps for sure, man. But in '89, he was cataloging whale songs. Yeah, that's his his new thing. I suppose if you spend enough time down there listening, you're gonna be quite hypnotized by the the wildlife. Hey, whale I sounds have- are amazing. Sorry. I absolutely love that figure. I remember getting that, and I know people are like, it's the worst Joe figure ever, but... We're talking 84? Pardon? Are we talking the original or the... Yes. No, 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 the original. The the one with just the arms. Um, Mm -hmm. We used to have a show called Mutual of Omaha, and it would have um, Jacques Cousteau, and he would do the underwater adventures, Mm. and that's what I always think of. Jacques Cousteau. Deep six, so I automatically fell in love with that figure. Awesome. You know, there was an issue of oh, what was it called? Paul, I read it at your place. It was a, a trade paperback where they had a, a one off issue of Deep Six in that outfit, like encountering snake armors, like at the bottom of the ocean. Yes. This really cool, really taut battle. That, that was that. Had, yeah, man. Max Brooks, um, was it? Yes, the no. Max Brooks. Yeah, the Max Brooks uh, graphic novel series. That was, um, yeah, Hearts man. and Minds. Yes, uh, it, I, it is hmm. hot. I want to say it's Hearts and Minds, but I think Hearts and Minds is the is the novel novelization. Oh, but the yes. graphic novel had a different thing. It had the. It also had a cool backstory for. Well, it had a whole focus on spirits as well, and him having a bit of OCD, and that's what makes him such a great tracker. Um, <sighs> Man, I can't. The roster's the... so deep, man. You could make any G.I. Joe or Cobra the star of your comic slash TV episode slash feature film. Like and and thanks to the fan base, we've really breathed even more life into these guys because every one of us has our distinct favorite. And like hint hint, it's not always the big five or the big ten or whatever, you know. A lot of the time, it falls outside of that. And that's the beauty of this toilet. So many characters, and they're all so good. Do you guys so, reckon Wild Bill is into, like, ranching? I mean, with that getup. I imagine he... I think, yeah, I think he might be. I think he might... Well, okay, actually, I take that back. As a South African with a limited perspective on that side of American culture, I'm going to say, yeah, totally. But actually, Ryan, enlighten us. <laughs> Do you think he well, I remember the Sunbow series where he was mm. all about riding horses. So There's I can a dude ranch. Yes. But in my mind, Wild Bill was always that guy who would be, you know, flying like the biplanes or just doing the crazy oh. 
stuff in the aircraft because he just wanted to push himself, you know, just to live on that edge. That's always who Wild Bill was to me. Hmm. I kind of imagine him like camping and being the guy who gets out the old six string and just singing, singing songs by the campfire. That's sort of his thing. But then like I, th- I see the Stetson and I think to myself, well, maybe he's into uh, Civil War reenactment along with cross country. That'd be kind of cool if they mm. did that on weekends. Isn't Ron Rudetz a big reenactments guy? Yes. I think he might He be. did that for a number yeah. of years. Hmm. And then, with- no, cross country is not one of his designs, but Wild Bill would be. So there's some of that flavor. Maybe, maybe. Could be onto something. Anyways, guys, I've chewed way too much air. Let's hear your picks. Who are the guys that you decide to focus on and come up with creative uh, pastimes? Ryan, you kick us off, buddy. <laughs> so the first one I picked was Mindbender. And in his <laughs> spare time, he has started an all-nude male review. Um, <laughs> this is so close to what I had in mind. <laughs> and he's trying to recruit some of the dreadnoughts and and Copperhead uh, to make a little bit of extra money on Cobra Island or uh, was it Empire City or wherever they were in, in the Sumbo cartoon? <laughs> Magic mind bender. Oh god. Oh, but well, on, please on that topic then, because I've also got mind bender down, and I've got like his hobby. The thing that he's doing on the side is he's writing a musical. You know, which is like mm. an ode, an ode to himself, and um, is it called that... tickling the ivories? Oh, he's <laughs> a dentist, <laughs> double entendre. But it's like, exactly. yeah, I, I just have this like whole musical song in my head, and the the one piece of the chorus is just like, you know, uh, he'll be like singing all these funny little rhymes and things like that, which I can't find, and I have written this. It's somewhere on my computer, and I was hoping to find it for this episode, but. Um, it breaks into like mind bender, and then there's women in the background going cool. mind it's, it's stuff that you sent me for ad libs for a play motion. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, and then I put be. it somewhere on a note because I was like, I'd love to write that song. <laughs> you know, nice. and, I, and I did start oh, writing it. See and, is, yeah. it, it. It being a number out of like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, just absolutely totally. amazing. Oh. In just seven days, I can make you a man. Please forgive oh, me. So I, was, I was born to play Frankenfurter, guys. Come on. <laughs> I would pay Amazing. good money to see a Stephen Frankenfurter, uh, if only to tell Elliot the story much later. <laughs> oh, he'll be in the front row, pal. Yeah, no, he will be. Um, screaming he'll be wanting to, he'll want to be on stage bro that's yeah you know, like daddy's dancing i want to dance with daddy <laughs> totally anyways cool. ryan give us another one pal uh so my other one is shipwreck and since you know we now have the swipe right swipe left i can just see shipwreck in his free time being on every single dating app imaginable and just striking out because he still hasn't figured out how to talk to women. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, hash without hash. having to pay with them, pay them, pay. Hash browns. Exactly. Hash brown, best sailor. <laughs> <laughs> hash, brown, hash brown, deep six is a line, uh, is a lie. 
you get the real goods with me. <laughs> like that, I can just imagine him like that. But then Clutch would yeah, be the same, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but I think Whoa. Shipwreck was always just more of that slimy, greasy type of character, especially even in the in the cartoon for Sumbo. I mean, you know, he fell in love with the synthoid, you know, a late a girl who turned blue. It's like he's mm, the Mara, Captain yeah. Kurt of G.I. Joe. We'll sleep with <laughs> yeah. anything. I thought they gave him a little bit more pathos than that. Like in that episode, he's he's deeply disturbed when he discovers Mara is a synthoid. Like he he didn't bang her, did he? He did. Oh, you I'm know sure he did. Did he? No, no, not not Mara proper, not the actual like mer. No, the synthoid mermaid. The synthoid oh, yeah. version. You know he did. You know he did. <laughs> man, oh man, that just feels wrong. That, that's like the equivalent of like sex with a blow up doll, man. Like once you're done, where does it go? <laughs> it's shipwreck. It's, it's not. I mean, uh, 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 <laughs> this went dark. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Doctor Mindbender doing Sorry. all male review. Shipwreck just being a dirty dog on uh, every single dating app he can get his scrubby paws on. What depravity have you got for us in your third slot, Ryan? So it's Duke, <laughs> and he goes and he does like the um, those retreats where you know, like you go and break stuff and you do stuff that's bad because you know people always think he's just a goody two shoes and he never does anything wrong and. You know, he'll he'll like push old ladies and kick puppies and, and do stuff like that to just make people think I'm not a goody two shoes. I can be bad if I want to. <laughs> yeah, he gets to be evil duke. <laughs> evil duke. Yes. Uh, evil duke. The, yeah. uh, the devil's do duke before the devil's do duke. <laughs> um, and then I did have well, one more so instance. Go ahead. No, just like some people make the prediction or, or, or draw the parallel between like maybe Snake Eyes is Chuckles. I've often thought like Duke and Thrasher, sorry, Duke and Buzzer have a lot in common just in terms of appearance. Like Thrasher, he's also got a tan. Ah, oh, do that again. Buzzer, Buzzer he's got a tan, yeah. tan shirt. He's got blonde hair, but you know, it's, it's, a fair bit more receded than than Duke's, and he's got that ponytail. Like it feels like Buzzer is Duke, who's you know a little bit older, a little bit more cynical, um, and has kind of turned to the bad. Maybe Duke's older brother. But uh, once again, Ron, I think you're onto something, man. It just seems like with the Sunbow, they always made Duke seem to be. I want to say that that John Wayne type character where, mm. you know, was the goody shoes never did anything wrong. And Flint was always the, he, let me try this. Duke was more Superman and Flint was more Batman. And people like Batman more than they like Superman. And I think just mm -hmm. with Duke would want to break out of that shell of, I'm not the all American boy. I can be a bad boy too. Um, you know, especially since Scarlet leaves him for Snake Eyes and all the other stuff. Or does she? I don't know, man. Like, that, that love triangle gets kind of muddy, doesn't it? 
Uh, I know Resolute tried to, like, pen Scarlet as Duke's girl. Like, she's made a choice. But, yeah, I mean, look, if you're a comic book aficionado, there's there's no no debate whatsoever. It's Duke never featured. But uh, I, I kind of like the idea of a, a bit of a love triangle. It's far more intriguing. Not that every female has to be attached to a guy in the story. Maybe, maybe the more interesting option would be to like have Scarlet have a real life outside of GI Joe. That could be a past on. Jeez. I um, uh, on that sort of topic of of like weirdness that characters could do. Mm. Sorry, and I know I'm coming in at like super left field here because I've got to be careful with my list here because sometimes these conversations are chipping at my list and I purposely made quite a long list and I'm thankful I did because at least Skidmark came out in the conversation earlier and Mindbender came out in the conversation earlier. Um, tick, and, you guys tick, all, tick. and you guys know that I'm going to get into Bazooka just now, but the one thing that I think is kind of an interesting uh, thing about Quick Kick, you know, Quick Kick is meant to be an actor. Like, that's like all stuntman, right? But I mm. think being part of G.I. Joe means he cannot meet up with his commitments. Um, you know, that that industry, Steve, you know this, so I apologize if I'm Paul-splaining here. But that industry is very reliant on, like, if you're not there, you know, more than once, then they forget about you. You know, if you don't make a call or whatever, you can get into a lot of shits. And I imagine Quick Kick gets into that kind of trouble. Like, I think he got to a point where... He just wasn't able to make calls and stuff like that to get to adverts or whatever. And they eventually just, you know, blacklisted him. So I think what he does on his off time and what brings him a lot of joy is he has a food truck, you know. And, um, mm. yeah, and I think he does frozen like a lot of like... <laughs> exactly. He probably has got something called a frozen fudgy that he's invented that's like really good. Um, but yeah, I think, he, I think he hits the San Francisco scene with his food truck and... You know, and maybe has some cool theatrics or whatever that goes goes with it. And because he is on on active duty, um, when his food uh, truck rolls rolls down, or rolls up, should I say, it's kind of like, oh my word, quick kicks, you know, quick snacks or quick kicks, quick fix, um, is here or whatever. That's and great. People, you know, quick kicks, quick fix. <laughs> yeah. So yes. that's it. That's that's you know what I think he does on his spare time. I think he runs these cool little. You know, food truck. <laughs> yeah. And that would make I sense. I once because... walked past a. I once, sorry, Ryan, oh. I, I, I'll hand over to you in a moment. Uh, but I once walked past a reflexology place called Fast Foot uh, in <laughs> China. <laughs> and so I took a picture of Quick Kick outside Fast Foot. <laughs> Funny. Anyway, Ryan, there's anybody. I thought Quick Kick's family owned a grocery store or something like that, too. So having a food truck now would make complete sense. Mm, nice. Yeah. Right. I get good price for you, son. <laughs> Fresh produce. Okay, Dad. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> yes. Let's do it, bro. You got anything else in the tank? Yeah, I think uh, I've got one for Outback. I feel like Outback runs adventure tours. Um, no, on his really? Yeah, I think he does. And then I think he kind of got bored of that. And then what he now does is, is like, just as a way to help him reconnect with society. Um, because, you know, he is like the kind of person who likes to be out in the bush. 
I think to reconnect with society, um, because I think he, he struggles to connect with people, you know, that, uh, that live in uh, the urban sprawl or in suburbia. Because he's like, what do you talk to those people about? You know, I, I think so he... you're going to have him give tours for these yuppies? Well, I that's what he started doing. pretty quickly. Yeah, that, exactly. exactly. That's what he started doing. And he got like really fed up with it. But he still needs to have that connection with people. So what he does is I think he helps build houses for people. So, you know, these like mm. in the States, um, uh, we don't have it here in South Africa as much as we used to. But in the States, I know there's a lot of like groups that actually go, get together and help people build, or help build houses for people. You know, and I think he does that. And I think he does that on like, you know, he's like incognito with it, you know. And that's why we got that G.I. Joe figure of him with his little like workman's hat, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Battle Corps Outback, a.k.a. non-eco warriors Outback. Now, we got a comment from Matthew Comstock saying that Outback is a prepper and has his own <laughs> YouTube channel. Board. And yes, that on the like the top 100 list of like weird hobbies like prepping is one of them. So prepping for the pending apocalypse. But I think Outback, and I'm going to oppose you, Matthew, and I'm afraid you're not here to champion yourself. So, or at least not here in voice. So this is completely unfair uh, abuse of my platform. But I don't, I don't think Outback would be a prepper simply because he'd think that is a laughable uh, pursuit. Outback's way is to live off the land and survive by foraging by by surviving with available amenities like preppers are very like rooted to their shelters and their like biomes with their mulch garden and their worms and their composting and organic shit i don't know whatever they're doing outback would probably sneer at all of that and be like you guys won't last a week come on because he's kind of combining what it means to be a soldier with what it means to be a survivalist. He's just the ultimate survivor. <laughs> I wonder if Outback... Naked and afraid. <laughs> I wonder on that, on that topic of if Outback sort of doesn't have a, a house. You know, like, I wonder if he doesn't, like, actually have a home and he pretty much lives on the base and then has these lockers in different uh, parts of the town or in different, like, states with some of his belongings. So he knows that if he's going from, like... You know, if he's going to Tennessee, for example, he knows that he's got a, a, a storage locker there that he can get, like, you know, certain things from there. And then he kind of lives out that locker when he's there. Uh, I wonder if that's the kind of person he is. Uh, you know, um, a, a character that I think he's, he's the kind of person who doesn't have these, like, like bat caves littered around the country. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> But he's he's mainly just he understands which environments he would thrive best in, like like he knows which climate regions to to aim for, which kind of areas of coastline or shelter, like he knows like the the kind of the survivalist's best bet for eking out a survival, you know, not too hot, not too cold, uh, green, lush, but you know not. Like, I, I just think he's he's just super savvy as to where he would find himself. Like, he's got his kind of, like, like hit list of things. Mm. You know, if, if the shit hit the fan and so society collapsed completely, he'd be your man. Big time. I like, speaking of, I like Matt uh, Matthew Comstock's comment here. Um, 
He's like, he just mentioned he has a tiny house with cachets cache, uh, all over the country. Or caches all over the country. I, yeah, I mean, you know, him, uh, Matthew and I are obviously on the same uh, wavelength. Because <laughs> I just saw his comment pop up as I was talking and I was like, damn, <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to put a spotlight on Matt for that. Um, speaking See, of, I think, I think if there's one person that deals with yuppies for adventure things, I think it's the range vipers. When they're off duty, I've got a feeling that they do that. Statistic. Yeah, I think they all like, yeah, you know, you got to be badass here in the wood, in, in, in the forest. You got to shit in the woods. You know, like they got that whole vibe, and they're like, oh, I see that scorpion. That's dessert. You know, and like I think that's their whole vibe. I think they're like, like, quite, just annoying. You know, obnoxious human beings. Anyway. I've got another two in the tank, actually, for this. Uh, Wait, hey. Yeah, so uh, I know this is super on the nose, but I really love that uh, the Sunbow cartoon kind of painted this character up this way. Um, and it's actually made this character super relatable to me. But sci-fi. I really do feel like sci-fi is one of the serious geeks uh, in the Joe Force. And I think when he's... We've been told that when he's... Well, we haven't been told, but the Sunbow cartoon lets us know that when he's not doing missions and stuff, he's going to things like comic conventions. And I think I think he also collects toys. I think sci-fi is collecting... Ah, you preempt me. That was going to be my concluding question to you both. So sci-fi is the action figure collector. Interesting. I feel he is. Yeah, I, I feel he totally is. And um, you remember uh, once but upon a time we he's had... he's also an academic, Paul. Like, don't lose sight of the fact that I think the file card bangs on about the fact that he did a master's thesis um, on, like, laser alarm systems. So then he probably also enjoys tabletop game players, or tabletop <laughs> gaming and stuff as well. I, you know what? Some of the smartest people I've, I've ever met in my life, I've met in a comic shop. And I'm talking about, you know, PhDs. You know, and, mm. and yeah, so... They're not mutually exclusive. But, Ryan, go ahead, man. You had something to say. I, I was going to say, with sci-fi, I see him being more of a cosplayer. And coming up with <laughs> uh, cosplay outfits that he can with, you know, all the bells and whistles and the lights. And, you know, that, that, it's like that's like Adam Savage. I mean, you. Adam Savage. Um, he, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. You know, he does special yeah, effects now after he retired from G.I. Joe. I, I think that's great because, yeah, that, that is exactly what he would do. He would find cool ways to challenge his intellect and merge his hobby. And, you know, I mean, if you just look at like, um, okay, shame, I'm sorry, Bart, I'm pulling you into this now. But if you look at Bart, I mean, Bart's like, you know, he's, he's an active, he's on active duty most uh, more often than not. And he's a huge toy collector and he's a big nerd and he goes and cosplays and he goes to conventions and stuff. And that's super cool. You know, but I kind of also feel like goes on special missions in the Middle East. There we go. And then uh, who else is another great example of that is, um, well, I mean, I at the comic shop, I used to have guys that used to come in and they used to, uh, I may have told you guys the story before, but I had this one guy who used to come in and used to drop like 13 to 20K on like dvds like anime stuff and comic books and toys and all that kind of good stuff because he would be a p or he was a pmc um in afghanistan and you know i'd be like wow like you know we you know when we got to know each other 
I was like, wow, man. So what do you do with your collection? And he's like, I honestly, I, it's going to be a bit grim. He's like, I enjoy this because I don't know if I'm coming back next time, you know? Mm. So like, I, I totally get that like side of, you know, of, of, a of a military branch dude. So yeah, that's why I felt like sci-fi is that guy. He's the dude that takes stuff with him. And even Brian well, Hatch Matt yeah. says that yeah. he figures mainframe and sci-fi have their own World of Warcraft guild. I'm going to see that and I'm going to raise you. Who of the Joes, if any, do you think are into LARPing? Live action role play. Like the folks that go into a forest in their garb, their cosplay, and role play Dungeons and Dragons? I don't know. I speak beyond I, my kin, guys, but we, we all know what I'm talking about. Like, uh, I feel like Heavy watched... Duty is that guy. <laughs> Heavy Duty? <laughs> yeah. In between classical guitar and or cello and, uh, and G.I. Joe, he's a LARPer. Interesting. See, Not sci-fi, made for those guys? I you know Alpine and doing it. Oh, yeah. Okay. When that. Bazooka's not uh, solving small town crimes. Um, God, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, God, this is going to sound so gatekeepery and stuff when I say this, but I know that for me, when I was working in a comic shop, you know, you get different like sort of flavors of geek and that has changed and, and elevated a lot these days, which is so nice and it's evolved well. But LARPers used to be a very different type of species of geek, you know, um, and and you you would you would often hear like guys that would you know like they'd be like oh yeah I'm a total geek I'm into collecting comics and stuff and then somebody would be like oh do you also do that thing where you dress up and sword fight and stuff and he, and he would be like no I'm not that kind of geek <laughs> like heavens no <laughs> you know? oh, um, yeah so. I, I, I got a feeling that sci-fi and mainframe maybe are not LARPers uh, because maybe in their heads they're like, yo, no. Like, I feel like cosplay is as far as they go, you know, um, with with that kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe because, I mean, the South African geek culture is very different to the American geek culture in that respect, you know. Oh, you know it's, who would be down with LARPing? Raptor. Oh, fuck, he's totally, halfway there. Totally... <laughs> He's totally eccentric yes. enough to want to, to to just fly his freak frat flag and wear his costume and like I don't know what character types they have. I don't know. I reckon a mage he's a prepper. Or... <laughs> <laughs> really? But you know, like like a bad example. You, you see, you know when when people talk about preppers, they go, "Yeah, prepper," and then they talk about a prep. He's a prepper. You know, and I think he's he's a prepper because he's one of those guys that he's mostly ineff uh, ineffective on the battlefield. He thinks he's something great, but he's not. He's got a shit ton of guns <laughs> and all kinds of stuff in his little basement Raptor? at the bottom. Uh, yeah, I imagine uh, he's like that. I imagine he's psychotic, man. I mean, the dude dresses up as a freaking bird, you know. I don't see gun nuts in Raptor, though. Well, maybe like, he's got a whole bunch of helmets for his he, falcon. <laughs> exactly. He weaponizes his... Birds. I got fucking laser beams. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely is halfway there. The flowing raptor cape and the bird hat. Amazing. But uh, falconry is actually quite a sport in um, in the Middle East. It's like, it's a seriously intense thing. 
uh, I, I I mean it's long past its NDA now, but I worked on a project. It was for a company in Dubai, a guy in Dubai who wanted to do, do this whole animation series, and he tasked me with creating some character designs of a falconer, uh, this dude who would have this falcon, and then this falcon would like also like shoot flames and all kinds of crap. But um, when we were talking about falconry and, and all that, he he's uh, uh, into falconry, and he said like it's like a major thing there, and he's you know he's like we have to get this right because you know people in Dubai would be very upset if we get certain details wrong, and I can imagine like you know Raptor is seriously into that and and seriously behind that whole vibe because it is actually pretty cool. You know, <laughs> sorry, I just saw Hans Charles comment. I'm gonna read it out for. I'm gonna read it out for our podcast listeners. Range vipers dress as Bigfoot and freak campers out. They gaslight Sasquatch, uh, Sasquatch hunters as well. Then they hack their phones, delete pictures, and follow them to town and call them liars and laugh at them. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that is that is perfect for range vipers. Trolls, <clears throat> super trolls. Ah, uh, yes. And does any, how do you guys feel about Storm Shadow? And this is by no means a reflection of the fact that I love Storm Shadow or anything like that. But how do you guys feel? Of course not. How do you guys feel about Storm Shadow running a sort of a, I'm going to call it a soup kitchen, but kind of like a feed and clothe the needy um, outlet somewhere in in New York? Like, I I can see Storm Shadow trying to. Uh, to take you know get as much blood out of his ledger as possible and try yeah, to yeah. turn yeah you know do the things that he needs to do to repent for all of the you know savagery that he's seen and done in his life i can totally see him doing that hmm. Hmm. because yeah. i mean what because in the ninja force oh sorry no go ahead i, I was gonna say one real quick that <laughs> i i i was going to add, but I, I held back, but I want to now. In the comic books, Tripwire was the biggest klutz imaginable. Mm. Mm. So in, in in my head, I can see Tripwire is now a championship ballroom dancer and is very <laughs> fleet on his feet. And the one time he invites all his Joe friends to see how agile he is, he falls. Oh, Tripwire. Oh, Tormod Skoog. <laughs> what a name. What a name. What a name. Hey, but uh, the one, the one hole in, in your argument, Paul, with uh, Storm Shadow running a soup kitchen is that you can't wear that much white in New York City, says Bob Squad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think <clears throat> because um, the precedent for this is that the Ninja Force is mostly trained by Storm Shadow. Oh, mm-hmm. at least it, it it yeah it alludes to the fact that it's trained by Storm Shadow, but I kind of feel, and also as a practicing martial artist myself, if I was involved in like dodgy things, I might not want to teach people martial arts. Like if I caught a conscience, like Storm Shadow has, or it could be argued that Storm Shadow's always had that conscience. Uh, uh, uh you know, he's always been uh, aware Shadow's... of the fact that he does. Storm Shadow's yeah. philosophy is that mastery of the martial arts is to bring about an end to violence, not yes. to perpetuate it. Well, yeah, but in but I think and as a martial artist, this is actually something you wrestle with a lot because yes, you're a hundred percent 
um, you know, if we, if we are all, and this might be immature of me right now, even as a martial artist, but if we all knew martial arts and if we could all like, if we all knew that we could like, you know, break each other. And I'm not saying that like martial arts is some kind of magic thing where you touch somebody, then it explode. But I think people would respect each other a lot nuclear more. Nuclear deterrence. And, and hold, yeah, it's kind of like nuclear nuclear deterrence. I think that's Mutual one way of looking at assured uh, destruction. There you go. But that's only one way of looking at it. But then also martial arts also teaches you that fighting is like completely... It's actually stupid. But then at the same time, as a martial artist, you, some, you do enjoy sparring. You do enjoy, you know, fighting. <laughs> so... It's, it's very complex. So I think Storm Shadow would be going through similar complexities where he's kind of like, yes, this is his philosophy, but he's proving himself wrong by being an assassin, in, in essence, and working for the bad guys. And teaching people martial arts, I think he's just scared of doing. I think he's just scared of making another one of himself. Because just now he will find somebody that is talented. You know, he'll find that one student in 50 that's just got something special in the way they move. And... As, a, as an instructor, you gravitate towards those students just because they do something right and then you want to show them more, you know, things. And I think he's scared of making another killer, you know. So instead, he just helps to feed the needy and helps to clothe the needy, you know. And because he's got the Arashikage money behind him, he can just, you know, bring in a whole bunch of... He's got a lot of resources. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's brilliant because I could see if there's one character who would humble himself to do that, it would be Storm Shadow. Yeah. Nice. Agreed. Also, I love Zantara's comment here. Cancels registration to martial arts class since I now know I can't explode heads with one touch. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> so good. Uh hey guys. That said, hey, um, if you touch somebody very hard on their head with your foot, um, in a kind of a spinning motion, yeah, you could put them to sleep. So it's almost as good. Or you could brain damage them. So there's that too. Um, oh, delightful. Mm. Anyway, I apologize for the Harley. Uh, it sounded like Budo just drove by my house. So I apologize. Excellent. Very germane to the proceedings. But gents, I think we're going to close the lid on our uh, pastimes conversation unless anyone has any uh, other ones that they'd like to list um no i'm good i've i've hit my list i feel very back good. into the recesses of our brains well since rob isn't here and he, he can't give us his love and scoopful i guess it's it's gonna fall to me to uh pick up my favorite comment on our last episode's comment thread and this was about um, video games that inspired our playtimes with G.I. Joe. And we kept it quite early, like the Nintendo generation. Um, Troy Smith jumped on the comments thread and wrote us a doozy, which I, I'm going to read out. I'm going to flip the script a little. I propose that G.I. Joe influenced my gaming choices. For example, I really enjoyed Chopper Command on Atari because it looked like the Dragonfly. I know, way before your time. I pretend that Metal Gear was a G.I. Joe game. I missed the original G.I. Joe games, and I never had the joy of playing them. I did enjoy Ninja Gaiden, Jackal, and Contra. The other game that I pretended to be G.I. Joe in the arcade was Operation Wolf. 
Yes. How awesome <laughs> to operate that realistic Uzi with an unrealistic grenade launcher. End quote. Thank you, Troy. I remember that cabinet. Did you guys ever play it? Dude. Right? Did I? Dude. Did we? <laughs> right? Did you Yo. have Operation Wolf? I did not. That was a little bit after oh, my time. I see. Okay. Sorry, well, I just got some noise outside my... We had these I, I, chunky, like, hard plastic... I'm sure you can picture them, like, giant Uzis. Well, they felt giant in your childhood hands. Um, your meager hands. You're just kind of hanging off them, basically, like, wrapping your whole body around this massive machine gun, submachine gun. Well, maxi machine gun in, in, in that case. And uh, I think it had a button on the, on the, the foregrip. A little red a button to fire fire a grenade off this Uzi. Very funny. So I, I I just want to jump in there because it's so cool that you mentioned Operation Wolf. Um, and, and I just based on the description that you've given me now, I imagine mm. in Cape Town. What Troy's given you. Or Troy's yeah. I was gonna say that sounds like the American version of the cabinet because oh. the Japanese version of the cabinet. Is very similar, but it's got a smaller Uzi. It's actually uh, more similar to a Mac 10 than an actual Uzi. It's a, it is just a small Uzi, and it's got like you know, but it's it's tiny, and that's the one David and I played a lot at Forwards More. Um, and yeah, and then you got the little button obviously for your grenades and missiles, Look, what have Paul, you. Paul, I entirely yeah. might be misremembering. I might be thinking of like the Aliens cabinet game, which the, did have a geez. very big, like. I remember it's wow. very glossy black, like smart guns. No, they which were which one did you guys rifles. have? Did you have the stand up one for the alien? Uh, for aliens, did you have the stand up yeah. cabinet or the sit down cabinet? Stand up. It was a, Why? Okay, we we had the sit down one here at Northcliffe uh, Corner and the bowling alley. I don't and think the it sit down should, one should be done sit down. But I know it was you because get this, like booth and it's all very private. But it's kind of takes out the like the kineticism of standing and shooting. But do you remember that the aliens um, shooter game was from the dropship, from from the, the APC? That's why they did it like that. So you're sitting in the APC and you're rushing through different places, and then you're like smashing down, and then it's like, duk, 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 you know, you got xenomorphs coming at you and whatever. That's why they uh, did. I it. think you're thinking of the later thing. iteration. I mean, no, aliens dude. has been in and out of arcades for well. No, dude, I'm talking about before. like I'm talking about like arcade games I played when I was like 13. Uh, because yeah, because oh man, it was nothing amazing. will beat the afterburner, like flight simulator that was like a pod that kind of rolled. Oh, the G Lock three hundred and sixty, yeah, awesome. Yeah, you pay ten rand and you sit in that thing, and it was great. I had that at four ways as well. Um, another great like uh, cabinet, a uh, stand up cabinet shooter was Terminator T two, the arcade game. So nice. good. Oh, shit, we now, played that a lot. That was amazing. I looked up Operation Wolf, and yes, I did play this in the cabinet in the oh, arcade. Excellent. It was freaking amazing. Did you guys have <laughs> Commando, which was another type, you know, shoot em up uh, game like this? I the, the Commando I'm thinking of is the top-down one. Is it that? Wait, wait, hold on. There was one where it's like you could see the two guys on screen when you moved left and right with the gun. Yes. Yeah, I think that's Commander. Yeah. And then it had like a Vietnamese kind of skull that was like 
full of fire and stuff and my friends were all like that's satanic and i was like yeah cool where do i put my tokens <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't care about yeah. that shit <laughs> yeah yeah yes but then another one that i always loved was um for my nintendo the nes was um top gun with yes that, that eight bit <laughs> music was so good well, I, I fear we're in danger of having a repeat of last episode if we continue any any longer on this uh, this plotted trajectory, gents. So I'm going to nip it in the bud and say this has been a great chat. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. Do you want to pimp anything on the way out, buddy? Uh, your your channel? The your link awesome will be in the channel? description below. Hmm. Yeah, just if, if you want, stop by. It's the Island of Misfit Toy Collectors. We just you know have fun and talk. I'd love to have some more of the bird force on. I'm working something out with Gaz. Um, I would love nice. to have both of you on at one time just so that I can, uh, you know, pick your brains about your play patterns as kids and, you know, Oof, all of say that. Say the word, stuff. Ron. We love yeah, talking dude. about that particularly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all so about yeah, plastic. So, and Jen Boy, um, the Bird Force is absolutely amazing. The community that you guys have created and invited us to join is is just second to none so just a big huge thank out to thanks to you rob and and uh rob steve and paul again for just inviting us to to join your your trio and let us play gi joe with you so thank you you are yeah. very welcome i mean without you guys this would just be the three of us message in a bottle style talking into the void so it's incredible that that we've developed a very very de dedicated audience very uh well you guys are our friends actually and friends yeah like it, actually it kind of becomes awkward that um you support the channel as well because it, it's always the same names that i keep seeing and i'm like but these are guys i have a personal relationship with so thank you thank you thank you for keeping the lights support burning our hustle, Book hq <laughs> yeah yeah it's it means a lot and we love doing it and if you'd like to join the berg force Join these fine folks. Uh, head, head to patreon.com slash G.I. Joburg. Link in the description below. And for as little as, I think, three Australian dollars, maybe it's three US dollars, I don't know, depending on the localization of the exchange rate, um, you can get early access to these podcasts, get discount on our exclusive merch. And if you become a YouTube member, see my madness week to week as I play with my toys. In front of the yeah, camera, which style? Very, Ooh, very, very amateurishly. <laughs> and something, something I wanted to just drop in because I really wanted this to arrive uh, for our last episode, but it didn't. Um, so between the last episode and now, I finally got the Ninja Turtles Kawabunga collection, which is full of old school mm. gaming goodness. Um, really been enjoying that. When I have got like five or ten minutes to play, guys, if what are you the highs, are turtles, what are the lows, man. Oh, dude, um, there are there are actually no lows on that collection, oh. in my opinion. Um, it's all highs oh. because it's all the NES games. Um, so it's the original Turtles, then Turtles 2, the arcade game, then Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project. Um, then you've got the arcade version of the of that Turtles game, of the, of the beat-em-up, um, which is so good. Um, just, yeah, I mean, I have very few memories of that because we, we actually only had it at Cresta. Anyway... Um, and then it's got the, all, the SNES game, it's got the, you know, Turtles in Time, it's got the the Genesis game, sorry, just for our American listeners, and then the Mega Drive version, and 
Yeah, and then you got the three Game Boy games, one of which is a Metroidvania, and it is so good that it's the uh, the third one, uh, Radical Rescue, and it's got the, the fighters, take them or leave them, but the fighters are an interesting, um, they're, they're an interesting sort of like departure in the Turtles sort of universe, and then there's obviously the, um, the, the Toughest Nails first NES game, which I've always loved. But yeah, guys, it's a, it's a great collection. And if you want like some cool old school they gaming, made it any easier. Like they haven't kind of dumbed it down to make it more palatable for a modern. Audience. So here's yeah. So here's the beautiful thing that they oh. have done. Okay, they have got these um, enhancements that you can switch onto the game if you want to. Um, so and the enhancements are actually very tastefully done. So you can either have the enhance, well, not either. You can do all of the enhancements, or you can cherry pick the ones that suit how you want to play. So. There's God mode for like everything. So you can play the game with God mode, which is awesome for guys who maybe just want to experience that first Turtles game without dying. Um, you can start on any level you want with the enhancements as well. So you can choose any level you want to go on. And these are great. These are great like fun things if there's a specific um, level in the Turtles games. Because I know we all have one or two levels in those games that we have fun memories of playing with our buddies and stuff. Um, so you can just jump straight to the level. And something that I really love, and as much as I'm an old school gamer, and as much as I love retro gaming, I do love the fact that they've removed the slowdown and, and flicker at your request. So you can switch off the flicker and you can switch off slowdown, and it really is great for some of those, especially for the NES games that had a lot of like sprite flicker because of RAM limitations. So now you can play a much smoother version of those games, and that is with God mode, wonderful nice. with God mode on if you want to, uh, so good. Yes, and then it's please. got tons of features. It's got tons of uh, things like the soundtrack that you can listen to. You can check out all the magazine ads. Oh, it's it's awesome, guys! It's it's one of the it's one game that I can recommend with absolutely no reservation. I'm like, just buy it. It's couch co-op. You can jam it with your friends. It's awesome. Um, Available on so. Steam. Available, I think, on everything now. Yeah, Steam, yes. PlayStation Network, the Xbox Store, Play Store, um, Switch, even. Um, so yeah, stick around for those discounts. They're coming. All right, hey guys, Ryan, can once give, again, thank you for joining us, bro. Not a problem. Can I give just one shout out? I don't. Some of you may know. Uh, give more. Marauder, give them all. Marauder Ruben is recovering from a stroke. Um, so I did oh, talk no. to him this morning. Uh, he, he's, he's doing a little bit better today, but he just has a little bit of a, a road to recovery. So if you know Ruben at all, he's part of, you know, classified lead on Facebook. He's just a, one of the really good dudes in our community. So, um, just keep him in your thoughts or your prayers and, uh, let's hope he, he has a full recovery and, uh, he's back to doing some customizing and, and painting figures. So big shout out to Ruben. Love you, brother. Yeah, man. Amazing work. Marauders has gone from like this little startup that a few of us knew about to being like an actual leader in the industry. And in no strength. small parts to John and Ruben and the whole team. So yeah, I, I hope he's well soon, sooner rather than later. Thanks for bringing this to our attention, Ryan. Yep. And Rob uh, sends his apologies. He, um, yeah, he's been powerless, powerless to join us. Um, what else did I have to say? Oh, yes. Uh, Zazel's GoFundMe is trucking along nicely. But if you'd like to send a lifelong G.I. Joe and Sergeant Slaughter massive fan to Joe Fest next year to meet his icon, his idol, his bro, his buddy, Sergeant Slaughter. His man crush. Um, 
Exactly. Uh, yeah, it would be an absolutely astounding, wonderful story if we could make it come uh, to fruition. So yes, the and, GoFundMe link will be in the description and, below. Brian? And to add to that, Zazel's going to be doing some, you know, filming all of this, and Kelly Sarge's mm. daughter is going to put him through some <laughs> Spartan training. Oh, so no. Really? Oh, cool. It's going to be funny. So please, let's get him there just so we can have some enjoyment of watching those videos. Most <laughs> <That's funny, laughs> uh we got it. We got it in us to, 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 to do a hike once a week. Um, but of course, at the end of the hike, we wound up in the bar. And pretty soon, we were a, a drinking club with a hiking problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it will be very funny to see the man getting into the gym with, uh, with Kelly Remus. Awesome. Let's make this happen. And with that, I'm going to bring episode 266 to a close. Thank you for joining us once again, Ryan. Paul, fuck you. I love you. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Uh, yeah, man. Yo, Joe. Burr. 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 Burr.